Uh, we're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about how to resolve uh, conflict well. And lots of reasons we're passionate about this. One is that statistically, this is a really big deal for marriage. A very, very big deal. We don't talk a lot about skills or techniques in, uh, in here, but this is a really big skill. This is a really uh, important technique. And so, so, so important that there's some researchers that have uh, they've brought couples in and hooked up like little electrodes and watched like their, basically their heart rate and blood pressure and things like that. And they've just watched couples communicate and deal with conflict. And without knowing anything else about these couples, they can tell with 87% accuracy whether these guys will be married five years uh, from now or not. Amazing. They don't, they don't, it doesn't matter how much uh, money they make, whether their parents are uh, married uh, or not, where they live, their race, anything. They can just tell. They can watch a couple communicate and deal with conflict and go, they'll make it, they'll make it, they won't, they won't, they will, they won't. Okay? This is a really big deal. Yeah, and so like John said, another reason it's a big deal is a little more personal for us. And so, like he said, we love to teach on this topic because of what it's done for our marriage. And so, like he said, we've been married 20 years. The first 10 um, were good, um, but there was, if we were honest and look back, there was probably 5 to 10% of things we just didn't talk about. There wouldn't blow up, you know, like throwing things, yelling conflict, but there was just some subjects that we stayed away from because it didn't go well. There were some things I wouldn't say to John or bring up, vice versa, because it just continued to spiral out of control and, and didn't go well. And so we were missing out on the intimacy that we talk about here on oneness because we just didn't communicate about everything. We would just um, kind of leave stuff untouched. And so as we started, because the nature of John's job, we were forced and we wanted to teach this stuff, but we were like, we probably need to practice this. And as we practice some of the techniques that we're teaching you guys today, which really is, like we talked about, just a heart issue, a discipleship issue, as we realized some of these things we were doing that were selfish and we were not really loving each other well, and we started putting these into practice, um, we were able just to really kind of be fully intimate. You know, intimacy is just fully knowing, being fully known without the fear of rejection. And so for me to go, I can share 100%, not just 95 um, and the same with John, and that we can talk through these things was really key for us. And so personally, it's a big deal, and it's helped not only our relationship. I think if you guys kind of listen, you'll, you'll go, man, I do that not only in my marriage, but I do some of these negative things in my friendships, I do them with my kids. My kids do it to each other. And so it's been huge just in all relationships. So we would just encourage you guys just to kind of think for yourself. We'll talk about this again. Just think, hey, what do I do? What are some ways I can grow in these areas? It's great. Yeah, this, I would say of, of everything that we share and re-engage, this is the one that people go out like, you know, and five minutes later go, that was helpful. I can put that into uh, practice. And it was, it was that way for us. And I think it'll be the same way for you. So before we get going, I want to give you a couple verses. One uh, is James one nineteen, And it says, brothers, I think it's on your notes. Brothers, let us be quick to listen. Does anybody not have notes? All right. Thank you. Uh, you need notes over here? Great. Yeah. Could you give them? Thanks for being Thank yeah. solution oriented. Oh, you got, we got them. Okay. Right. They magically <laughs> appeared. <laughs> uh, brothers, let us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that, that whole kind of that idea of listening more than you speak, um, that being a symbol of wisdom is found all throughout the book of Proverbs. <laughs> but I've just always loved um, that sequence. Um, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And I think that points to some of the, the goal and the nature of communication is that the goal of it, the goal of communication uh, is mutual understanding. 
Right? You're to understand, not so much to get your point across or to be right. Because if it was to be right, I think you would read it in exactly the opposite order, right? Get good and angry, then speak, and then listen to make sure they understood what it was or they agreed uh, with you. And instead, it's just the opposite, okay? Be quick to listen. And this is just practically how you can be uh, quick to listen. And so the other verse that's in there that we want to make sure you guys hear is just James 4.1. It just says, why do these appalling wars and quarrels, where do they come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come because you want your own way and you fight for it in yourselves. And so John and I don't fight um, because um, we're tired, um, because one of our kids cannot figure out his homework situation, um, because money is tight or we haven't had sex in a long time. We fight. Because we are selfish. And then it just plays out when those events happen. Um, but we all fight um, because we, we're selfish. And we want our own way. Um, and we fight for that. And we want to be right. And so um, just to get a handle on that verse, that um, that's why it's back to what Blake said and Ryan said. It is a spiritual theological issue. That's why we fight. Yeah. So we're about to give you the practical part. But I don't want you to miss what Pam just said. Like at the end of the day, this is always a spiritual issue. It's not a knowledge or a lack of skill issue. That could, that could exacerbate the problem or alleviate it a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's still our heart issue. And I, I just can't tell you how many couples I've seen that never read a communication book, never um, heard a talk or a seminar or anything on communication, and they both just decided, you know what, we are going to abide with and follow Jesus. And they figure out this marriage thing. And they figure out this communication. They become like world-class communicators. And they don't fight and they don't get selfish and they don't get angry uh, like they used to. And they like figure it out. And then when I ask them, hey, tell me what that looks like. Tell me what you've learned through this process. They'll actually give back a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about. And it, it, all it was was just them yielding their hearts to God. Rather than being selfish, they're saying, I want to I do what you want to do, God. I want to communicate the way you'd want uh, me to communicate. And they come to the always the same conclusions, okay? So what we're going to do here is we're going to give you kind of four negative patterns um, that play out in marriage. And these are pretty standard. You're going you're gonna to find yourself in these. You're going to find your spouse in these, right? Uh, so you're, this is going to be really tempted to go. He totally does that. I didn't know what to call it. Now I do, you know, or you're going to elbow him or go, are you listening? That's how you do that, all right? And you're going to say, I, you know, you'll write notes uh, for them, and I hope, you know, those kind of things. But what I want, what I want you to, I want to encourage you to do, and Pam said earlier, is just to listen for yourself first, okay? As we lay these out, say, what, what is it that I do? How do I do that? All right, and guys especially, like we just have limited just kind of bandwidth in our, in our head. And so you don't really have um, the capacity generally to listen to both for your spouse and for you. And so just listen for you. And if, you, if God's blessed you, like this is a good day, you know, and you just had some caffeine, you got a little bit extra, you can listen for them. But listen for yourself and ask, how do I do that? What do I do um, that makes that difficult for them or uh, that would c- contribute to them doing that? But what about, what about me? Okay, how do I do this? So the first one of these uh, is withdraw and avoidance. Withdraw and avoidance. And this is an unwillingness to get in or to stay with um, an important discussion. And it can, be, um, it can be as obvious like as leaving the room, right? So here comes a conversation. I don't like the way this is going or I don't feel safe. And just kind of le- like literally leaving the room. I'm done. I am withdrawing. Uh, or uh, it could be faking peace Right, we haven't really dealt with this, but I'm just going to pretend like everything is okay because I want to avoid 
uh, not withdraw. I just want to avoid any more conflict or any more uh, conversations. Okay, there's lots of ways it can look, but those are two two of the big ones. Yeah, one way um, that it often would look like, and and still can sometimes if we're not careful in our home, is um, just that faking piece. And so. I have a tendency sometimes to, you know, just come at John. I've got a great idea or just an issue to talk about, and um, I need to talk about it right now, and we need to sit down and do this, whether the timing is good or not, and I'll just come at him, come at him. And um, he will just have a tendency to say, okay, what do I need to say to make this stop? Sure, honey, yes, no, just whatever I need to say. I'm not really dealing with the issue, but just let's just end this thing and let's avoid this. And so that is not true peace. It may feel like it's over, um, but just even that is a form of withdrawal, and that's kind of how it's played out for us. Yeah, right. Does that make sense like what is the magic phrase woman just I'll say it just I need to know I'll just be done right um and that's not that's not actually dealing with anything right that's just a form of avoidance I just want it to stop I just want to get off the merry-go-round right Uh, or just I just want to be done I've just I've got something to do or I just I'm tired of talking I'm being selfish uh that's a form uh of avoidance and so uh, another way for us it's um if you've been married any length of time and your spouse comes to you and they say, we need to talk, right? Most of us, if you just give us a, a half a second, we can figure out, oh yeah, I know what's coming, right? They you generally know what that means most of the time. And so uh, <laughs> I've done this a couple of times. Pam's come to me and said, I want to talk about this. And, um, and I have just engaged in the conversation, but tried to derail it. Does that make any sense? So like, think of like train tracks and I'm the conductor. I know where she wants to go, but I'm just, I'm steering the conversation off because I don't want to talk about the things she wants to talk about. And suddenly now I never want to talk about, you know, when's a good time for in-laws to come and holiday plans and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, let's talk about this and, uh, and not getting to, I'm talking, but we can actually be avoiding uh, the things we're not actually getting to, like, this is the, what we really, really need to talk about. And, uh, or shutting down would be one of the ways I'll do that. I'll just kind of go, like, I'm done, right? I'm just done. And uh, that, would be, that would be a form uh, of withdrawal. And I'm still here. I haven't left the room, but I have shut down. And so uh, those are lots of different ways. And I think a lot of us do those, uh, and they're really detrimental. We'll think that that's not, uh, I'm not yelling. And so that's really not that, uh, insidious to a relationship, but that's actually one of the biggest predictors of uh, marital dissatisfaction and even divorce is the inability to resolve conflict um, and uh, even this withdrawal part. Mm-hmm. It's not the loud, boisterous, uh, negative communication patterns that we'll talk about, but by not dealing with stuff, they tend, they tend to build. Okay? So the way we fix this is that um, the withdrawer needs to stay in the conversation Right, uh, and then if they can't, they need to be able to articulate why. Right, here's here's why I can't have this conversation now, or uh, something like that. And they need to be able to say, um, you know, what what would need to happen for that uh, uh, for that to happen. And then I would say this: if you're sitting next to a withdrawer, you're like, that's totally. We're going to say that. Yeah. Well, just because that would be me. And so, what is it about me that? makes John have a tendency to withdraw. Like I said, what is it about my timing? What is it about my tone? What is it about um, how I just continue to, you know, badger him with things? Just um, what is it about me? Um, Now, he needs to stay in the conversation, but what could it be about me? So draw the circle around myself. In this part, if he's the withdrawer, what could it be about me that makes it um, hard for him to stay in the conversation and own that part? So both of you, you know, if, if you're not a withdrawer, um, you still could have a part in this. Yeah. So does that make sense? Like you, so the fix it is just to stay in the conversation. 
and say, look, we can have this as two Christian adults all the way to the end here. And if it gets heated, we could call a timeout and we could come back later, but like, we're not going to run away from this. I will have this, even if it's hard. And so what's hard for some of us is that we never saw conflict handled well, right? And the, the, the only two models we saw were blow up and get really angry. Or not handled at all. Yeah. Or, or just, yeah, not dealt with. And so when all of a sudden something gets a little tense, we just kind of freak out, you know? We're like, oh, I can't have this. Do you guys... I'll, I'll show my age a little bit. Uh, there's a Monty Python movie, um, and there's a little scene in there, and the guy would always go, run away, run away, run away. And so that's like your MO whenever you see conflict, and you, this little voice in your head goes, run away, run away. Uh, you're a withdrawer, okay? And you need to learn just to stay uh, in the conversation. And if your spouse continues to withdraw, first it's, it's their problem. They need to own it, as Pam said. But there might be something that you do. And so you can't control them. But the part you could, you could control about yourself to say, is there something I'm doing that makes it difficult for me to have a conversation with? Or for you to feel safe or for you to, to want to have this? And they might say, yeah, I mean, you just nag me to death. Or you never, it doesn't matter what I say, you're still going to try and win. Or you know what, you just get, you get hot and bothered or we keep having blah, 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 blah right? Yeah. Okay, great. That, that I can change. It may or may not be true, but that's something I'm aware of now. I know they feel that way, and so I can deal uh, with that. Okay, yeah, so that, mine was John would come in when the kids were little, and I would he would not even have his bag on the ground yet from a long day at work, and I would hit him with the 10 things the kids did or the things I need him to fix or do or just the issues I had. So if y'all have little kids, y'all can probably relate. Um, but just give him a few minutes um, just to um, kind of come down from the day and then hit him with that later. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a big you, one for us. All right, yeah. you put like you're solving the world's problems, trying to get in there. Okay, great. You got it. Got it. Call you back tomorrow. Open the door, and it's just <laughs> you know with all this stuff. And it makes sense. I mean, she's been home with little kids for eight hours, you know, and just like no adults, and she now has got an outlet for it. Um, and and so we just said, hey, just give me just a like, let me put my keys and my stuff down before we go, you know, fix our kids or whatever. Um, so uh, anyway, just think about yourself. Um, make sure you have and stay with the conversation. Right? Yeah, so that's withdrawal and avoidance. The second negative pattern um, is escalation. And so just like it sounds, escalation could look lots of different ways. It's basically when partners just respond negatively toward each other, kind of continuing to up the ante, just gets more and more hostile. And so it could look like raised voices. It could look like throwing things, like you would traditionally think, just people storming out of the room after they've yelled and said some things. Or it could also look a little more subtle. Um, Like I said, we don't typically yell. Um, I don't think we've ever thrown anything, but um, we have thrown some subtle, sarcastic comments for sure. And so there may be this last minute, I'm going to say one more dig before I, um, before I leave the room or before we exit. And so it can also look a little more subtle um, and that's escalating as well. That's good. Yeah. We throw, we throw words, not things. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, okay. So look in an extreme, have you ever had this, like uh, um, this scenario <laughs> you're talking and, and all of a sudden everybody's really mad and you go, but how did this even, like, what do, what do we even start talking about? You ever had that, that conversation, that experience that we all have? And we, uh, we used to show this video clip of this couple. And, I mean, just to the extreme, um, this guy comes home. He was uh, working, obviously, like, you know, nights or whatever. He comes home early in the morning, and there's crumbs on the table. And he is ticked off. I mean, he is so mad. Uh, and so 
what they would do in this, in this instance, when the couple was going to have a conversation, they'd call the film crew and the film crew would come over and they'd set up and they'd say, okay, great, resume. And so, um, so they're like literally, it's like... It was pre-reality TV, but yeah, it was totally before, pre-reality, yeah, absolutely. reality TV. What you would think. And so, yeah. but it looked like an episode, of, you know, Jerry Springer yeah. uh, kind of deal. And so this couple's having this conversation and he's like, man, you left crumbs on the table. You know, how, how dare you? And you know, I go and I work and I come home and, you know, the crumbs are on the table. And she's like, do you think I did it on purpose? He's like, you totally did that on purpose. And they're just, they're just having it out. And, and you keep watching this. And what happens toward the end is um, uh, they're talking about who's going to get the kids when they divorce. True story. And, and, and like one kind of 15 minute setting. And what happened was it was, the conversation started with crumbs and no one was going to back down on crumbs. And so someone just kind of kept up in the ante, up in the ante, up in the ante. Um, and now they're talking about who's going to get the kids. And so that's a pretty extreme, maybe you've had that conversation. I don't know, but my hunch is you've had some conversation um, back down from that a little bit where it, it's now not even about the thing right? But you've let it escalate out to, uh, to something else. We've all kind of had that. That's what escalation uh, can look like. And so very practical fix it for this. If you find yourself doing this, it's just to call a timeout. So John talked about that earlier. When you feel things getting heated, the blood pressure's rising, the sarcastic comments are coming, um, the volume is going up, but just say, hey, somebody is going to say, let's time out. Let's just walk away from this for a minute um, and let's just come back when we're better. And so um, the race here is not to see who can hold out the longest, but who can come back under the control of the Holy Spirit and say, okay, I really want to talk this out in a calm way looking for that mutual understanding piece. And so a couple of warnings. If you are a withdrawer, this is not a technique to withdraw and avoid. Um, if you call the time out, it's on you to say, hey, let's come back after the kids go to bed. Let's have a good night's rest, cup of coffee in the morning. Let's revisit it then. So it's not a technique to get away from it, but just to step back when you're really escalating and to come to it when you're calmer. Yeah, that's good. So you can kind of think about it like... Um climbing a ladder from two different sides. And so you have, so if Pam's on one side of the ladder and I'm on side on the other side of the ladder and I kind of say something to her and I take a step up and she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, you're not going to have the upper hand here. And she's like, Poof, she fires something back and she takes two steps up and I'm not going to have, I'm not going to let her one up me. So we both, we both start climbing the ladder. Right? And you know, you know what happens when you continue to climb that ladder. It, it topples and people get hurt. So the best way to not fall off the top of the ladder is to not take any steps up it. And so if you're an escalator, you tend to escalate as a couple, just don't even get on the ladder and say, I want to have this conversation with you, but right now I'm pretty hot. What if we had it as soon as the kids went down? What if we waited till I got home from work? Uh, could we go for a walk and just pray for a minute uh, beforehand? Okay. Um, because I love you enough. I don't, I don't want to be right. I'm not trying to be right. I, I want to understand you, but this right here isn't going to work well, so let's don't escalate. Don't, I don't want to escalate. Um, let's call a timeout, and let's have this conversation when we're both in a good place. And it's, I mean, it's amazing if you just say, hey, 15 minutes. Right? This, is, this, this did not go well. Let's take 15 minutes. Let's both pray. Let's both ask God what he, the law, to help us see the log in our own eye and come back and lead with that how everything changes. Everything changes. Okay? So call a timeout if you get going, um, and make sure you don't, uh, don't escalate.
okay? Um, the other thing that happens in, in escalation is that you'll say stuff that you don't, um, you pro- A, you probably don't mean, uh, and B, that they will remember a whole lot longer than, than you will. And so if I say something to Pam and I just kind of go off and, and I, and maybe I mean it, maybe I don't, um, but I just want to wound her and I say something, you know, I'll probably roll over, you know, 20 minutes later and go to sleep and not think about it. But literally, literally 10 years later, Pam could still remember that comment. And so scripture says um, that a fool gives vent to his anger. And when we just kind of say, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this and I'm going to, I'm going to feel better. It's really foolish. And we can be honest, there's a sick part of us all, a broken part of us, that when we wound someone else, when we're a little bit wounded, that we feel somehow better. Um, that's not a path to oneness. That's a path to somehow being right or being one, one rung up higher on the ladder, and it will not. You lose. Because you're one in your marriage, you end up losing. If I end up right and hurting my wife, I just, I just lost. I just lost. Okay? So be careful uh, around this one. And then also, I think the point is interesting to be made, is that a lot of times these two go together, these first two, the withdrawal and the escalator. And so uh, Stanley calls it the pursuer-withdrawer uh, relationship, or the cycle, pursuer-withdrawer cycle. And so you'll have somebody that says, um, man, you don't love me, um, you won't talk about this. And the other person saying, you won't love me, you won't quit talking about this. And around and around and around they go. And we'll talk about how to get out of that. But a lot of times, those one of those people is sitting next to the other, and they're both kind of causing. They're both kind of causing it. Um, so just something something to be aware of. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the next pattern, negative interpretation. And so um, this was a big one for me. I think when we were studying this and teaching this, I just went, I do this not only in my marriage but in other relationships. And so it was really big for me. Negative interpretation is when someone believes that the motives of the other person are more negative than is really the case. So I believe that what you said is negative, more negative, um, than is really the case. And so um, this often plays out in areas where you're insecure. You take note of this. If you do it, and you go, wait, is that an area I'm insecure? So I, um, I'm a fine cook. I don't love, love to cook. I have some friends who just, they love to cook. I cook to feed my family because we need to eat and, you know, want to cook fun things, but um, maybe not the best cook. And so John walks in the door, and he says, what's for dinner? And what I could hear is, oh, shoot, I have to eat at this house again. I should have picked up pizza on the way home. Um, really, he's just hungry and wants to know what's for dinner. But if I'm negatively interpreting, I take that completely the other way. Um, and so that really, like I said, will play out in lots, lots of areas, lots of relationships. Um, when the kids, lots of y'all were nodding with younger kids, so I've had a bad day with the kids and um, lost my temper with them. John walks in the door, hey, how are the kids? I hear are all of them still alive? <laughs> are any of them strung up in the backyard? And he just wants to know, hey, how was your day? How were the kids? Um, but you can negatively interpret a lot, um, probably more than you realize. And yeah. that was the case for me. Yeah, I'll give you the, the fix at the end. I'll cut to the chase on the end of this one. It, um, the way to fix this is to believe the best. Right? And if you can't, there's sometimes you can't believe the best. So you believe the best, but if you can't, then you ask for clarification. Okay? And and I could just give you so many examples of this. So the, the whole what's for dinner thing. I, uh, Pam would call every day at 4.30. We had little kids. She'd call every day at 4.30. And she'd say, uh, I mean, what time are you coming home? And I can, I can remember uh, sitting at my desk, seeing, you know, 
uh, we didn't use our cell phones as much back then, and I would see my wife on caller ID, and I would start to get mad. And so if you're wondering as, you know, uh, as, a, uh, as a tell in your marriage, when you see your wife on caller ID and you're getting mad, that's not, that's not good, right? That's not good, <laughs> if you're wondering, right? And she'd say, what time, what time are you coming home? That's, that's the way she'd say it, which is really interesting that I would even say it that way. She'd say, what time are you coming home? I probably heard, what time are you coming home? Like, are you kidding me? You're probably up there just working on your fantasy football, you know, team, <laughs> yucking it up with your buddies. I'm getting killed. There's four little kids, and it's them against me, and you're, and you're, uh, and you're having a great time. When are you coming home? Right? And that's kind of what, it's not what she said, but that's what I heard. And I can remember, I can remember just going, like, I'm, I saw my wife on caller ID, and I'm mad. This is not good. This is not a good thing. Um, so I said, hey, babe, you know, you call uh, at 4.30 every day, like every day uh, you call, uh, and you ask me what time I'm coming home. And what, what, do you, like, what do you mean by that? And I remember just like long pause. And I just, I had this picture of her going, and she like, still, it, was, it was classic. She goes, I, I mean, what time are you coming home? You know, she's like, didn't even understand the question. And I said, well, are you mad? You know, are you saying that I don't, because in my mind, I, like, I was busting it during that season to get home as quick as I could every single day. And I would even push my work till late at night. And so I'm feeling unappreciated and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, no, you, you do a great job getting home. I'm just trying to juggle kids and dinner. And so it's just helpful to know. Uh, what time are you coming home? If you're going to be late, no worries. Just, just let me know. You know? And I had to say, well, please forgive me. Because you know? I, I kept thinking you were like getting on my case every day. And I was just taking it wrong. I didn't believe the best about you. I should have asked for clarification. I remember just like, you know, the, ne- like, literally, the next day, uh, same, same, same scenario. Pam McGee, hey, babe, how are you doing? Totally different. right? I just believed uh, the best about her. Um, and I wasn't negatively interpreted. The same call, the same scenario yep. meant something totally different. And where we have to watch this is when we're not in a good place. Yep. Right? Because if, if Pam and I had a fight that morning and she calls and says, what time are you coming home? Mm-hmm. Right? That probably means, I, I, would, I would think that would mean something much differently than, you know, we had great sex the night before and she woke up and there were flowers uh, on the table with a note. And she says, hey, what time are you coming home? Right? I just... <laughs> That probably means something different. Um, and so you want to believe the best, and if you can't, ask for clarification. Um, yeah, and I'd say now, between 4 and 5 every day, he texts, hey, this is what time I'm coming home. So it's worked out really well. Yeah. Jamie will. That's right. He usually asks what's for dinner, though. What's for dinner? It <laughs> uh, depends on what time I'm coming home. Yeah, yeah what, can I get anything? Um, yeah, any, any, generally there's a kid somewhere to pick up. Um, look out for areas of insecurity. Right? So not only when you're in a bad place, but also areas of insecurity, you're going to watch this one. Um, so Pam talked about you know, just cooking. Uh, for me, it's like fixing stuff. My dad, literally when I was a kid, took a car engine, our only car we had apart, strung it out on the whole of the yard, put it back together like over a weekend. It was unbelievable. He's like this mechanical savant. And I guess it skips a generation or something, you know, because I just don't have that gene. And we were moving, this is like our classic negative interpretation story. We're moving into our house. And uh, I mean, I won't bore you with all the details, but I was working hard, man. Like I was, 
I would, in my mind, I'm like husband of the year. Oprah's going to walk in with her crew and do a film on me, you know, kind of deal. I, I'm just, I woke up early, I'd work, I'd play with the kids, I'd go, they'd put them down, I'd work, you know. I, I'm just like, what a, what a lucky woman uh, you are to be, to be married to me. And so I'm hanging, I'm hanging these blinds, and I couldn't get, or get the mecha- back to the mechanical thing, can't get it right, you know, it's just, I don't know, I just... It doesn't feel straight. And she walks in, Pam walks in, and uh, those have been around Watermark have heard the story a thousand times, but they walk, she walks in, and uh, she doesn't even say anything. She just looks at the blinds and goes, huh, and cocks her head. I'm holding my screwdriver. I think Oprah should come do a piece on me, and I'm mad. I'm like flaming mad. And then she walks over. I'm standing on the bed doing this. She walks over to this closet, and she w- opens it and just goes, whoa. And that was a closet we put everything. We didn't know where it went when we moved in. And she just goes, whoa, closes the door and walks out. And I remember I'm holding my little, you know, screwdriver from, you know, some kitty, uh, kitty toolbox, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, how dare she walk in here and criticize those blinds, and then walk over to this closet and say that I'm lazy for not putting that stuff up, man. You know, and, and this is like, this is, this is real time. It's in my head. I'm like, I, I, you know what? I took a whole week of vacation. I can go back to work tomorrow. She can hang her own blinds. She can clean her own closets. You know, then she'll see, then she'll see just how lucky uh, she was to be married to me. You know, I'll show her, you know, so I hang a few more blinds and, um, and uh, you're with me right there, aren't you, man? You, you feel me. Um, and so, uh, so I take, take a shower. In between the shower and the bed, I remember just going, okay, well, well you have to talk about this. Like, it's kind of like, I'm like a marriage pastor. You have to actually work out your fights. You know, like, dentists can't have cavities, and I've got to actually do the stuff I tell people to do. And so we're, um, we're talking about, uh, we need to have this conversation. I'm, I'm trying to remember what she said. And, and I... And I can't remember her saying anything, you know? And I said, hey, so I just couldn't remember it. I said, what did you say? What did you say about the blinds? Or what did you think about the blinds? She goes, ah, I, I don't think I said anything there. They look great. And I said, well, what about that closet? And she goes, oh, man, that thing's a mess. It's not a big deal. We'll get to it. You know, and I just was like, ah, are you kidding me? Like, because the last two hours, I was just all hot and bothered about what I thought she'd said. She never said anything. I just negatively interpreted because I'm just, you know, because I can't hang blinds or do anything mechanical like my dad does. I'm just insecure about this. And, and so I just said to say, you know what, baby, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if you could tell I'm just like, you know, huffing and puffing like a junior high kid, you know. Uh, uh, and I didn't believe the best. I should have asked for clarification, but I negatively interpreted. And like, we were good, right? So that was like, I don't know, probably wasn't even two hours, probably more like an hour. Uh, but we missed out that, that one little hour. We missed out on the oneness that God had for us in our marriage because I negatively interpreted something that my wife didn't even say. And a lot of times, it's really interesting, we'll sit on stuff for a long period of time. We're totally sure that they're not doing something that they are doing something for the simple fact just to make our lives miserable or inflict pain or to be mean. And we're missing out on oneness, and it might not even be the case. Okay? And if we just believe the best, start there. And if we can't, then we ask for clarification. It just saves, man, it saved us so much grief. And um, yeah, give me a thought. Well, yeah, and so on the other side of that, so 
believe the best, ask for clarification. And so if someone asks for clarification, your spouse asks. And so he asked me, hey, were you trying to say something with your head? Um, if I was, then I own it, okay? And so um, if, I, if, you know, if there was a jab at dinner when he says what's for dinner, then he says, yeah, you got me. I really do wish I had picked up pizza on the way home. Um, so just own it. So that would be... Yeah, the one I remember is <clears throat> every time we're late, oh, yeah. we're with yep. little kids, yep. I would always look at my watch, right? I'd flick my my watch up and I'm looking. <laughs> and I remember Pam, she's sitting in the driver's or in the passenger seat and she's, she kind of leans over and she goes, so when you're looking at your watch, like, are you looking to see what time it is? Or are you make, is that a subtle jab to tell me that we're late, you think it's my fault? <laughs> It was kind of 50-50, you know? <laughs> half the time, like, I was. I was like, man, you know, do you see what time it is? You know, and half the time, I was like, no, I'm just seeing just how late we're going to be, you know, kind of deal. And so when you have eight little kids, it's like trying to put shoes on a caterpillar, you know, like or four, eight. I'm sorry, that's eight, eight feet. Eight feet. Um, felt like eight. And we were just, it felt like we were always five minutes late. Not, we weren't, but, um, and so I just remember there was a couple times going, yeah, you got, like, you busted me, all right? And so I didn't say anything to you. I'm just now like this little uh, wrist flick thing, and uh, that's, not, that's not okay. You know, I can, I could, A, I could probably help you get everybody ready, uh, and B, if I got an issue, we can talk about it, but I don't need to do, do this. And so sometimes it wasn't anything there, but I remember that one. Um, and so anyway, so just watch that one, okay? Yeah, good. Last one? Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, invalidation. So invalidation, and that's just either subtly or directly putting down the thoughts, feelings, and character of another person. So it could be really subtle, or it could be just directly like, hey, you're totally wrong, and that's stupid. That would be a really direct invalidation, or it could be a little more subtle. Um, just putting down the thoughts, even the feelings, um, and character of another person. That's great. So I've, I've thrown myself under the, the bus a lot tonight, but this is uh, as good as I am at all those other ones, like this is where I like excelled, right? I'm like an awesome invalidator. And uh, this is that, like, that 5 to 10% that Pam was telling you about. There was something early on. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's just that my heart wasn't as transformed. It didn't look like Christ as much as it should have. But I couldn't be wrong, right? So we came to communication. This wasn't about anything other than me being right at the end of this deal, right? That's, that's why we're here. So we could duke it out, and I can reign supreme uh, over all of this and, uh, and continue on with my, wife, uh, with my life. And so uh, we could, about 90% of the stuff we could talk about, but this, the stuff that really was like, it needed, you know, someone needed to own it, and it was me, like, those are hard conversations to have. And so I would end up just putting Pam down, you know, and she'd say, I feel like, and I'll go, well, don't feel that way. That's so stupid to feel that way. Don't you know? And now I'm like, now I'm like, you know, um, doing some kind of objection countering like a lawyer and I'm spinning and I'm, you know, bringing stuff up, blah, 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 blah. And, and I was just, just kind of these, these subtle put downs. Um, that's not right. You're not right. I'm right. Uh, because, because I felt like I had, I had to be, I had to be right. And, um, and I, that, as Pam said, that was, I think that was, Sing, probably single-handedly more than anything else. That was the, this win-lose thing. Um, and specifically my, um, my response to that was a thing. I, we, just, we just missed out on that last little bit uh, early on uh, in our marriage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there would even be some times that um, I would come to John, hey, I want to talk about something, and I would end up 
apologizing for even coming to him. Um, And so you know you've been invalidated if that's the case. And I would say, just full disclosure, all these things, a little sidebar here, all these things can kind of change through the years. Um, So just being aware, you you can practice all these. You're not just going to be a pro at one. Just in our selfishness, we can practice all these. And so I would say, where I never used to invalidate, um, I struggle with this probably more now, just kind of saying, hey, I want to make sure I'm right now, uh, would be more more my ditch. So what's mine now? Oh, I don't know. Can, I don't know. Okay. That's talk about, yeah, that's good. But, um, uh, pro- probably escalation. I yeah, bet. I, I bet like, so. Yeah. Hey, man, like, I'm tired. We've got chaos yeah. everywhere, you know, like, d- d- do this. or Yeah, yeah that's probably it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and so, anyway, a little side note. As I, was, as, I, as I heard you saying that, babe, I was just thinking, I think I'd do this way more. I never would have done this early on, but now, um, like, man, I want to be right, you know, is, is my flesh. So just anyway, being aware, don't just pigeonhole yourself to one of these, but just being aware that we can all do all of these. Um, but just so in this though, and just to remind myself of this, the goal, so the fix it for this one, if you're an invalidator, is just to remember that goal of communication. So for me to remember, my goal here is not to be right. My goal here is not to win or prove my point. My goal is to understand John. My goal is mutual understanding. And that keeps me from... You know, just wanting to just do whatever it takes, invalidating, um, escalating whatever it takes to win the conversation. It makes me go, okay, I may not agree, I may not fully understand, but I want to try. I want to try to understand where he's coming from because we're one. And so if there's conflict, there's, I mean, it's, it affects me as well. And so just to remember the goal is mutual understanding. Yeah. It's a, just as a, a side, side note, uh, how we change, um, <clears throat> I heard a really smart man said that uh, my wife has been married to three different men and all of them have been me. <laughs> and uh, he was just saying that I've just changed, you know, and she's changed. And so, I mean, as, as hard as it is to be married, well, today, one of the crazy things is that we'll both change and the, the targets move. Um, and so it, we're just going to have to be really dependent uh, on Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I was, you know, what I was thinking was that um, we gave lots of crazy examples uh, here, um, I think, because those are really illustrative. But um, on, on balance, for the most part, even when it gets hot, um, now we're able to have these conversations. And, um, you know, I was thinking, like, Pam and I, for our 20th, um, this summer, we drove around Iceland for a week. So we were in a car for a week, to just she and I together, 24-7, and the sun never went down. And... It was awesome. It was awesome. And we were just, you know, or, or when she was awake, because she would fall asleep on me, you know, or on some Did remote part. Like, in the car. I'm totally, I'm, you guys, you, your wife's that way? Oh, yeah, I'm going to help you. It's going to be, she's like, uh, so when Pam was awake, uh, we had a great conversation. And we just talked, like, for a week, for a week, we talked, uh, which is hard. I probably came home and, you know, went in a fetal position and rocked myself to sleep for the next week. But, uh, but how far, you know, how, how far we, we kind of came. And the other thing that's been great is just to help our kids understand this, you know. And uh, one of her kids said, that weenie stuff, he goes, I could talk about that better than you can. I know, I know all your stories and those talks and points, you know. Um, and and it's been great. A couple years ago, Pam and I were having, we were, it was, you can call it an argument. Nobody was mad, but we were just like, well, we got to talk this out. And one of our kids walked in, is a 
biggest smart aleck of the bunch, actually, walked in. He was like, okay. And he walked out. He turned around, and I grabbed him right before I I grabbed him, and I I put him right here like a human shield between him and I, you know. Uh, And I said, no, pal, you're going to sit here, and I want you to just, mom and I, we need to to finish this, but I want you to catch the end of it, not just walk in. And, uh, And so we just talked it out. You know, and I, and I think I, I don't know. I don't even know what it was about and how it went. My hunches. I just said, "Hey, baby, you first. Like, tell me, tell me what I can't see. Tell me what we needed. Uh, what what you want me to know." And then I was able to to see and uh, what I needed to let her see, and we talked it out. You know, and I remember he looked up at me, and goes, "Can I go now?" I was like, yeah, <laughs> "Now you can go." You know, so um, but you just want your kids to watch this um, as well. But all the, all that is. That's just Jesus stuff and action, mm-hmm. right? It's Philippians 2, 3, and 4, doing nothing, nothing out of selfish uh, ambition or vain conceit, empty conceit, but in humility considering others as more important than ourselves, not looking only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's all that is. That's all it is. And the more we walk with Christ, the more that becomes likely to happen. That's the training that... that um, that Blake was talking about. So even if you're sitting next to somebody that didn't want to have this conversation about how to have a conversation, if you woke up tomorrow and said, Jesus, would you help me be a, a spouse that would be easy to talk to and then I could move towards my spouse with, uh, with communication? What do I need to know? What do I need to do? What, how can I be wise in my communication? My hunch is if you forget all of this, over time you'll move towards becoming a better communicator. How deep, I've seen it enough to know uh, that's the biggest lever you could pull uh, in, in all of this, okay? Yeah. yeah, so John referred to it. So if you take the four letters of each of these, so withdraw, escalation, negative interpretation, and invalidation, they spell out weenie. So it's a good way to remember those. So when you are in conflict, do not be a weenie. Just think about what am I doing, how am I being a weenie here, and how can I avoid that? And so just those four practical ways to fix each of those. Um, like John said, it's really just being Christian in your in your communication with your spouse. Yeah, it's great. Hey, any, um, we'll, we'll shift gears in a second. We'll kind of wrap all this up. But any, any questions or um, other thoughts? Anything not make sense? Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Great. So this is part of communication. Sometimes if you want to make sure that you understand, you paraphrase back. So let me make sure that what I heard you say. So uh, it'd be like she brings something up and you say, is that right? Yeah. So yeah. you bring something up and you say, hey, I've heard it said here. I've, someone has said this and I think this is what we should do or I think this should inform this. Is that, is that right? Without invalidating her. Yeah, great, great, perfect. Yeah. Okay, Good. well, um, so, and I love what you said. Hey, we're just trying to figure this thing out. So that's part of it. So the question was, you know, uh, we're having a conversation, and Todd Wagner, our senior pastor, has said something, and I think that has something to bear this conversation. And I say, hey, you know, Pam, Todd said this, okay? And how does she not feel invalidated um, in that? Um, so I just, I would say, again, 
the, the first goal in all this is to make sure that you understand each other. And so first is to understand her, and then for her to make sure that she understands you. And then um, you can bring stuff up. Um, I think sometimes to ask for permission, if you know something's going to be hot, like bringing in something else, I might say, hey, um, are, I remember something that Todd said. Are you open to me saying that right now? And she can say, so I, I just gave her the power. I didn't whack her with something from the outside, you know? And she can go, she can say, no, I'm not open. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? If you, if you are open tomorrow, I'll share that with you. Um, but, but I love you, you know, and it, it, might, it might be that. Or she can say, yeah, go ahead. Tell me what that guy said, okay? Um, and um, so, but just be careful. Like, there's something there. Like, the, 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 the other conversation, here's the other conversation. Why is it that when I bring up something, when I bring up a Bible verse or something that someone else said that you get defensive, could we have that conversation, like take a step back and have that conversation, not so much just about uh, the moment? Because there could be, well, I just feel like you're whacking me over the head with Bible verses or with this. Oh, I would never, I would never want to do that. Um, great. I, you know, how, how could I or what's, what's a format that have that conversation? Um, I think there's probably something else going on there. Sometimes there's the issue and then there's hidden issues. So think of it like a volcano. And a lot of times we want to deal with a thing that's on the top. You know, it showed up here. And really the issue is all down here. There's something else going on. And so think about that sometimes. What is actually going on below the surface? Not just what the part that we can see here. So, but that doesn't make sense. We're going to talk some more afterwards we can. So anything else? Any other questions or comments? It's a great question. Good. Going once. The other thing I would add to that about playing off what other people say and do and is you don't really know what that's like in their house. And so I remember this, um, Todd one time, our senior pastor, talked about how he uh, sat in front of a fireplace with his kids and had conversations about God and had a woman come in in my office and, um, and she said, I want, he's not like Todd. I want him to sit our kids down and have these family devotionals in front of the fireplace. And Todd's kids were much younger then. And, uh, and I said, what, what do you think happened there in the Wagner household? Six his kids. his yeah. Six kids. His oldest was like 12 or 13, all the way down to like two. And I said, I mean, do you, do you really think that Todd set all of them down and they just sat there, you know, knees crossed and were like, you know, Teach us, Father. <laughs> I was like, dude, I know those kids. I mean, I get, there was a fight. Two of these guys got in a fight, and one just you know, wasn't even listening. Um, but it is true. He did sit his kids down and, and have that conversation. But we just strained together these crazy, unrealistic expectations for ourselves and for others, or specifically our spouse. Like I heard this other wife did this. And you don't know. You don't know. So... The goal is to be married well to the person that God gave you in your own unique way. And there's some principles that we can learn, like the, the fact that Todd would initiate conversations with his kids. That's good to know and have that, but it will look different for us. Okay, so anyway, tangent. Well, that's, you'll get there in your book, Expectations Chapter. Yes, that's a little, there you go, it's coming. A little teaser for Correct. that. So, All right, a couple of quick more things. Let's see, in your notes, you've got real, these are super practical. Halt, so you want to avoid having hard conversations when you are hungry. 
Y'all feel it? Hungry? I'm hungry right now. Angry, late, or in my husband's case, lost. I do not want to talk about the state of our relationship if I don't know where we're going, right? Or if I can't figure it out on a map. Or tired. So hungry, angry, late, lost, or tired. Halt your conversations until you are out of those. Yes. Yeah. Is that all? Is that your perpetual? Is that your whole life? No. So you can, okay, good. <laughs> I'm always. I'm always. One of, the, one of the big things is, like, you've got to put your marriage first, right? Yeah. And if you don't put your marriage first and you do all these other things with your kids and mm-hmm. dinner and the only thing you are at the end of the day is tired. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you never, ever have a good conflict resolution. Yeah, it's good. So as I'm in, in my 40s now, the question posed is like, when are you ever not tired, right? And uh, fair enough. Uh, I would just, maybe it's a sliding scale uh, more than anything else. And I would just tell you, at 11.30 at night, uh, it's probably not the best time um, for Pam to hit me with, hey, the thing I'm most frustrated with you about right, right now is this. Um, that's probably a, hey, when's a good, I actually got some stuff I want to talk to, to you about. When's a good time to have that conversation? And that, that will just go materially different than I'm trying to go to sleep and, um, and I just, I'm an in, insomniac. And so Pam will then hit me with that. Now, I, now I'm mad that she wants to talk about that. I'm, I'm tired and I know that I won't fall asleep for another three hours and it's just not going to go well. Okay? But I can tell her, say, oh, well, I'd love to have that conversation. Um, let's have it in the morning. Let's have it, you know, whenever. Yeah. Let's find the time that we're least tired right. uh, in yeah. there. So, okay? Yeah, and so to your point, I mean, just, yeah, there's a priority there. And so there are things slip. And so true story, um, our kitchen sink for the last 48 hours has been completely full of dirty dishes um, because like I just needed to go to bed earlier last night maybe than normal Um, and I remember when they when the kids were little just letting that happen enough just to go okay I need to have a little bit of time to connect with John whether it's just conversation or um, sexually or just whatever and so just letting some stuff go realizing the priority of things Um, and just even here's another tangent just marriage centered as opposed to child centered Um, you know this is the most important relationship when they're little there's a lot more time and energy um, you know with with the kids um, physically energy but still just priority-wise, that this is, the, this is the most important relationship. And so it looks different for everybody, but just prioritizing that. And when you're the least tired, because I guess you're tired all the time. Yep. Yeah. Good. Okay, yep. well, let's talk about how do you actually put some of this into, into, into practice. We'll give you an example, and then uh, after we show you that, then we'll cut you loose yep. here, okay? So um, do you want to do this? 807. I thought yep. it said 827. 807. Yeah, let's um, talk about a real practical way to talk through and to make sure we reach this goal of mutual understanding. So you've got the notes there. This is called speaker-listener technique. If any of you um, are in sales, you practice this. So you go to your prospective customer, okay, um, I want to hear what your needs are. Okay, let me make sure I heard those because I want to meet these needs. I want to sell you this that's going to best meet your needs. And so you're trying to completely understand that person. So trying to understand my spouse. And so when you approach conflict or even... Maybe it's not conflict. It's just something that you need to come to that's kind of a hard decision. Maybe you have differing opinions on. Um, You just go to this. So the rules for the speaker is you're going to speak for yourself. I'm not going to say, you do this and this. I'm going to say, I feel this way. Um, I'm not going to go on and on. I'm going to talk in short little bursts and then just leave time. And so the listener would paraphrase back what he hears. So I say something to John. He says, so you said this, just like he said to you. So you said this with your question. Um, and you don't rebut. You're going to have time as the listener to be the speaker. So you don't, everything in you wants to say, no, 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 no. Let me explain. You don't understand. You just say, 
hey, this is what I hear you saying. And then the rules are that you're going to switch. So John's going to have a chance to explain, hey, I, you didn't understand this, or I don't, it doesn't seem like that. Let me explain um, kind of my point of view on this. And so you're going to share the floor, share the opportunity to speak. That's Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, did you go through all of them there? I, I did. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's called active listening. It's, yeah. just pretty, it's just pretty standard stuff, okay? And so the best way you can make sure that you listen is if you're not forming a rebuttal, mm-hmm. you're making sure that you can paraphrase back what they said. So let me make sure I understood this. Is this what you're saying? And they'll go, yeah, or not quite. And you try go, again. great, hey, could you try again? I want to make sure I understand. And they'll tell you that again. And you go, Did you, is this what you're saying? Great. Okay. So that, that's called active listening. And, you, and then you paraphrase back. And, the, and one of the other ones, um, just don't go, uh, don't go on and on. So gals, this will be like your husband will come to you and go, hey, let's practice the speaker-listener thing. And like, you've got him. Right? So now he's going to listen to you and you're going to go, finally. You know, and give him like 30 minutes of, of content and he is just going to be reeling. And this is the worst thing I ever, like, this is the dumbest idea I ever had. Uh, so you've got to come up for air and let him paraphrase, okay? And, um, and just, just give, just, just some, it's like a give and take in a conversation. Say something, let him paraphrase back, say something, and then it'd be equitable, right, with, uh, with the floor. And so... Um, a couple of quick, real practical things. And so I, I think I said, don't say, you do this. You say, speak it, yeah, speak for yourself. I think that was big for me. Just it seems like, or like I, you think this or you feel this way. It seems like to me that you feel this way. It seems like that you think this way. Because I don't know what John thinks or feels. It just seems like to me this is what he's thinking or, or feeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was really helpful for me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, you can practice it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anything? So we'll practice this in front of you. Anything you're ticked off about right now you want to talk about? Where, what? I'm rolling through them all. No, I can't think of anything. Okay. Um, I can't, sometimes we practice this live, and it's... One time, one time there was something like, it did, it did not go well. Like we were in front of some people. And, you know, it's okay. They were all like, it was really awkward. It was, it was yes. pretty funny. Yeah. You know, like, like, um, sometimes you don't you know, hit a deep ball in baseball and you swing and a miss and you get back up at the plate next time. Uh, can, okay, nothing big. So, no, okay, so we'll just kind of, um, our default is to go back to something. Um, this will seem, God, this is going to feel like such a yawner to you. Like I know you want us to get in some big knockdown drag out in front of you and like it'll be awesome. Um, so we'll tell you, like this, I think literally the first time we said, let's do that. Like, let's practice a speaker-listener technique. Let's, um, let's have this conversation. And, and kind of the setup was um, I was in grad school and had been traveling, which was weird at that time. And our kids were little, and Pam's mom and dad were coming over uh, that weekend. And so I said, hey, what if we don't have your mom and dad this weekend? And that didn't go over real well, right? And, uh, and Pam fired off something, and I probably fired back off something. And we had just kind of said, we just said, hey, next time this happens, we're going to practice the speaker-listener technique. And, I, and so I th- we were in bed at uh, our old house, and we stood up and said, okay, great. Hey, let's practice this right now. And this is a conversation. This was like Groundhog Day. This is a conversation around in-laws, you know, uh, that we'd had a thousand times, never got any resolution, and it was probably going to go bad again. Okay, um, and so, um, yeah, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but we could probably 
get close enough. So, uh, okay, great. Hey, let's practice. We're pretending yeah. that we're a lot younger. <laughs> okay, uh, so, um, yeah, let's, okay. okay, let's have, let's have, let's practice speaker listener and have this conversation. Okay. okay so, um, yeah. So tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Cause obviously, uh, or it feels like you're pretty frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like to me, um, that you, well, I'm frustrated that you don't want my parents to come. And it feels like that maybe you don't want them to come very much or that something's up with how you feel about them. Okay, yeah. So just kind of the frustration is that I don't want your parents and um, uh, that there's probably some kind of strain relationally mm-hmm. with them. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it seems like, I don't know that I probably, if this was the first time we said it, I probably said you like your parents better. But, I, <laughs> but what I should say is it seems like that... Um, that maybe even it would be okay if your parents were coming. It's just something about my parents. Yeah. So if it was, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this if it was my parents this weekend. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so a couple of things. I mean, one, I, um, I, I want you to know that if I was, if roles were reversed, I would, I'd probably feel the same way you feel. Yeah. So you can understand totally, how I feel. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think, I mean, honestly, babe, I, I think the, what I was thinking was really not about your parents. It was just that we haven't spent time together as a family. And that really was the thing that I was seeking, not to not have your parents here. So you were just thinking about our family time. It wasn't a slight on my parents. It was just, hey, how can we get some time with just the immediate, just the five of us, six yeah. of us. Yeah. yeah. And, and I really do, I, you know, I, thinking back over probably the last six months, I kind of understand why you would think that there's issues with I tell you, I really do. They're human, and they drive me nuts sometimes. But, but I really do love them, and I want them a part uh, of our family. Yeah. So, I, yeah, you do. I know you love my parents, but it, you can understand how it might feel like that I'm not sure yeah. about that sometimes. Yeah, and I think from there then, we just made sure we understood, and I said, hey, how, how, would it, how does this sound? What if, I, um, what if I called your parents and just told them, hey, we do, uh, we love them, we want them here, but because we haven't been together as a family you know, for a long time, actually, um, would it be okay if they came next week? Yep. And just, I'll, I'll just affirm that we love them, and we just, we just haven't seen our kids, and we want to do that. How, how does that sound? Great. So, yeah. And okay, so wake that, up. Yeah, if you fell asleep. Yeah, it's kind of, it's totally <laughs> on it, right? So that's just like, you're going, please. Um, and that was, hu- I mean, just huge for us. Because what would happen is, well, you don't like my parents. You, you like my parents. Like, your parents are crazy, you know, and just blah, blah, blah. And, we, that's, and it was just, we'd have the same thing next time. Yeah. And, and we were able to, in that moment, you know, at that night in our little house with our you know, little kids say, no, we're, we're in us. And we're actually still, I, I believe we still have to honor our parents. I think we don't get the chance to turn that off. And we want to be respectful, and we're not going to play this weird, like, set up harsh boundaries or none of that garbage. But we're in us, and, um, and we're going to make sure that's okay, and then we're going to invite them in and, and look for ways to even seek them out to honor them. And, like, that, I just, you know, it was like the hallelujah chorus. I mean, everything, like, the, the air just got cleaner, and we slept better that night. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, because for the first time we were able to have a conversation that was a little bit sticky, we felt like we both understood each other and we moved towards resolution. And I just I guarantee you there's those conversations for you uniquely that if you laid them out for us, we'd go, geez, what's the big deal? Just do this. Like, get over it. And they're a huge deal for you. 
and not everybody feels understood. And, and the other per- somebody's feeling like you're trying to win. And if you'll just put all that garbage down and go, I, wanna, I love you, I understand. I want to understand you. How can we move towards oneness with each other? Like the solution will, will present itself. There's actually lots of this written on how do you actually solve a problem and all this kind of stuff. And in and, and 20 years of being married, we've, we've pulled that stuff out like one time. Because if you'll listen to each other and just be Christian... Like, you'll figure it out, truthfully, okay? Um, so, go ahead. Well, we'll yeah, close. just to his point. Yeah, I do think that's right. You, you talk through this, and you're like, okay, the solution, if there is one, it's clear, or there's really not. We just understand each other, and we can move forward. Um, but then if there is, a, you know, a pro and con list and a decision to be made or, um, you know, just something to believe, you know, um, then it's really clear um, how you each feel and you understand each other, and so you can move forward towards oneness. Um, yeah, and just with that mutual understanding in place. We'll yeah. close this. Anything else? Yeah, that's it. That's Great. good. Yeah. So I, um, hopefully that's helpful, those categories. And then this, this uh, <laughs> that structure at the end, okay? You'll go, God, that feels awkward. That feels forced. It feels like it will take a long time. Uh, some of you guys that think in terms of like spreadsheet and net time savings, I will just tell you that as, as, as much as it feels like that, as long as that will take, it will save you a ton of time. We showed this to one of our, our friends, and uh, we asked him to practice that weekend, and we, we got with him the next week, and we said, how did it go? And they said, oh, we had a horrible weekend. Uh, Saturday morning, we woke up, we had a conversation, we started the speaker-listener technique, and we didn't get, it didn't go very well, so we, uh, I said, well, then what'd you do? We just stopped that and uh, fought all weekend. Oh, they said, it took too long. It just took too long. And uh, I said, well, what'd you do from there? They said, we fought all weekend. And I was like, Okay, uh, I bet you could have had, and we, so we said, let's try that right now. And so in front of us, they had the conversation in like 10 minutes. And uh, so this is, you know, if you just want net, net time savings, this will be a huge time savings to you, okay? Um, and it will feel forced and awkward. Everything that's good and right feels forced and awkward initially. Oftentimes it does. Right? You don't walk up the first time you hit a golf ball and crush it 350 down the middle of the fairway and go, what's the big deal, right? And then you figure it out, and you're like, this can't be right. This cannot be right. Boom. And a little further and a little further. And now that feels the right way to do it. And it's, it's like that in communication, okay? It's counterintuitive. So, uh, and then if you use that structure, it'll keep you from wounding each other. And I think a lot of times um, early on, we weren't having conversations. We were having these, like, Civil War musket battles, right? So Pam's talking. I'm not listening like to listen, I'm just listening for fodder to fire back at her, you know? And so she'd say something, i like, oh, I got a great comeback, you know, for that. And I remember something you said or did three years ago, and I loaded that in there. And I was like, and we'll bring up your mom. That'll really set you off. Are you done? <laughs> you know? And she'd just reload. She'd just reload as I was talking, right? Okay. Well, you're not sitting next to your enemy, right? You're sitting next to God's son or daughter. And you've been given a gift to cherish. And one of the best ways to cherish someone, one of the best ways to work in a relationship is communicate well. And this is a big deal. Okay? It will be hard. It will take time. It will take effort. Uh, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I can just tell you firsthand. We can tell you firsthand the payoff. That's here if you'll lean in, if you'll lean into this. Okay? Let me pray for you, and we'll cut you loose. Father, I pray that you'd help um, uh, these friends here... Um, 
move towards oneness in their marriage, that they would understand the design, the, just the beauty of being yoked with another one of the people that you're crazy about, that you died for, that you created and gave gifts to? Would you give them um, uh, wins in their relationship, insights into their own um, sin, own negative communication patterns, and would they be courageous and quick uh, to repent and uh, own uh, those things? And so, um, Father, we trust you, we love you, and we want to obey you. Would you help us do so? In Christ's name, amen.